welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, episode 207. Today, our uh, 2023 CFL Draft recap. The CFL Draft took place last night, eight rounds of the regular draft, I believe two rounds of the global draft earlier in the day as well. A bunch of potential future CFL stars landing on new their new teams uh we're here to recap everything from yesterday's draft and of course continuing our top five countdown series where we'll be talking about the top five breakout cfl stars some potential you know stars of the future were drafted last night let's take a look at the current breakout stars in the league here as well uh we are live on a variety of platforms thanks to our presenting sponsor game time tv which you can learn more about at gametimetv.ca we'll take your comments and questions in our live chats throughout the night as well uh thanks to game time tv uh ryan trey adam here with you again as usual this evening uh before we go any further we do want to acknowledge that the canadian football countdown is brought to you from treaty one territory traditional territory of the anishinaabe Cree, ojikri dakota and dene peoples and the homeland of the metis nation as well as from treaty four territory traditional territory of the Cree, soto dakota lakota nakota and metis nation now let's uh let's bring the rest of the panel in here this evening first he's got his mr manitoba hat on he's in the middle of the screen here it's the great trey colback trey how are you doing tonight fantastic boys can't complain football's within a month if not less Kentucky Derby weekend, which, you know, makes me horny. And uh, we got a lot going on, boys. I love Kentucky Derby, man. Uh, 50th anniversary of Secretariat this year. Winning the Triple Crown. If, you, if you've never seen that, YouTube that. Uh, unreal. I've never seen any athlete win so uh, decisively than that. So, yeah, always excited. Adam, buddy, I didn't even see the Argos hat on. Uh, what, what's that all about? Well, I don't know. I just felt like wearing an Argos hat tonight. I mean... I uh, I didn't see a whole lot out of the Argos in the draft this year, to be honest with you. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. No, it was the first hat I seen, so I grabbed an Argo hat uh, for tonight. But uh, no, um, yeah, busy as all heck with the farm right now. Uh, it's seeding time, so probably a day or two. And uh, yeah, brace yourselves. The seeding photos are going to be coming hot and heavy. Hey, we're always looking forward to those. Uh, the great Adam Stewart here with us tonight as well. Uh, we're going to get into talking about the draft right away, but uh, first an exciting announcement, I guess, from the podcast. Uh, uh, something new we've been working on, we've put together, and we're excited about for the future with the show. We have a brand new community Discord server for the Canadian Football Countdown. If you'd like to access it, the link is in the episode description. You can also find it on our social media there. Uh, and if you're wondering what that is all about is we are looking for more ways to interact regularly with all of our wonderful viewers and listeners and supporters in between episodes. You know, we do our live podcasts every Wednesday night at 930 central time. It's not the most ideal time for a live audience. It just happens to be the only time that seems to work for all of us here. Um, so, you know, we wanted to find a way to interact more regularly in between um and i kind of felt like twitter was not really holding up in that regard anymore thanks elon um you know with the algorithms and everything so uh, you know we started up the discord server uh you're welcome to hop in there you know it's and with the invite links in the description it's free access into there you just have to create a discord account 
what you get with that, you know, we've got live discussion threads. We had a great chat going on uh, with the CFL draft last night. Uh, shout out to one of our Discord community members, uh, username Redhead, for lots of great insight during the draft there yesterday uh, also. Uh, we're going to have a lot more things like that uh, coming down the pipe, uh, regular discussions on there. You know, you get access, you'll get access to potentially exclusive Discord community events and stuff that we have planned down the road. Uh, and additional content that we won't have room for in our uh, regular episode. Last season, we did two episodes a week uh, throughout the season. I think we all kind of agreed that that was tough to fit into our current schedules. So uh, this year will only be the one episode, but additional content in the Discord community uh, for anybody looking for it there. Uh, how about you guys? What are you guys most looking forward to uh, with, with this new community we've set up there, uh, Adam? Hey, I'm just looking forward to the memes, but I mean, I'm a little disappointed nobody set up a uh, a farming Discord channel. I mean, you know, we have NHL, we have MLB, we've got all the other sports, but apparently farming's no good. I don't know, but hey, you know what? It's great now for you. Love it. Anyways, um, you know what? No, I'm really excited to see a bunch more uh, fans show up and uh, check us out and see what we're going to be talking about. We got more time sometimes to chat. Uh, via text and uh, that way sometimes and we do get time on the show here so it's good time to get uh, get to know us better and uh, we get to know you better and that way there we can make better content for you guys so it's a win-win come and see us right on how about you Trey anything you're excited about most with it yeah I just like talking to people man it's always fun social media um and I get to be annoying in my horse racing section. I got one, Adam. <laughs> I've been posting You're that be already. Section, I know that. <laughs> Just wait till Saturday, boys. I'll be all, I'll be all over the Kentucky Derby and telling you picks all day, and you'll be like, I don't even know what's going on at this point, and just just. Just blindly bet whatever I say, boys, and then you're good. But, yeah, I'm you looking know, forward to it. You know, I'm actually surprised that our NHL one there hasn't taken off yet. I mean, because uh, I think quite like it would, I would have thought. But... No, nah, because the horse the horse lost the other day, right? Mike's horse lost the other day, so he, he stayed quiet, right? Well, but his other horse kind of We're not going there. Going there. <laughs> all no, I Mike... know is you can, you, you can post all of your horse racing, uh, you know, the, the potential picks. I'm always going to pick the ones with my favorite names, and we'll see how they do. Um, so, yeah, come join the community Discord server. Lots of fun discussion to go on there uh, with us and other CFL fans. What more could you want? Uh, all right, let's get into talking about the CFL draft, because that's what we are here to do. Uh, draft took place last night, uh, first two rounds on TSN, the remaining rounds on TSN Plus, if you could actually load it, uh, which was an on and off experience there. Um, and it all kicked off, you know, we're going to go team by team here and take a look at what each team did a little bit, if we liked what they did, if we didn't. Uh, again, as we said in our draft preview shows, we're not the most in-depth knowledgeable on the individual prospects. There's other media out there if you're looking for a direct insight on that, but we can kind of talk about some of the picks, whether they fit positional needs and things like that. So uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks kicked things off last night uh, with the first overall pick and, and took uh, offensive lineman six foot six Dante Bull uh, with the first overall pick. Uh, in round two, they had three picks there. Uh, defensive back Lucas Cormier, linebacker James Peter, 
wide receiver Daniel Oadijo. Uh, and then the rest of the draft, you know, defensive line and linebacker in round three, wide receiver in round five, uh, defensive line in round six. Defensive line and running back in round seven. Uh, Adam, let's go to you here first. Uh, what do you think uh, on what the Red Blacks did last night? Well, this wasn't a very deep offensive line draft, so picking Bull with the number one pick, I mean, that just made total sense. Uh, the guy is just an absolute monster. I mean, six foot six, 324 pounds. I, I don't know if I'd want to be a defensive lineman lining up against that too overly much. Uh, nevertheless, uh, played some pretty serious college football with Fresno. Uh, I think it was a really good pick for Ottawa. They they don't really needed need the offensive line maybe as badly as some other teams. Cough cough, the team I usually follow. Uh, but the uh, the uh, yeah usually follow. I see. Anyways, uh, so it, I mean you never can have enough offensive line depth, right? You see injuries all the time in the lines. I think it was a very good pickup by Ottawa. And again, you've got guys like Desjardins in there. Uh, you've got some other great offensive linemen. So to me, any protection you give Jeremiah Mazzoli, and if it's a six foot six, 324 pound offensive lineman, that's pretty good protection. So the first overall pick, I really enjoyed uh, Ottawa taking it. I mean, I was hoping they were going to trade it, but that's for a different reason. And uh, yeah, no, uh, overall, I think Ottawa had a very good draft. Uh, I The one other guy I guess I can talk a little bit about is Josh White from the University of Regina. Uh, linebacker, six foot two, 190 pounds. Uh, good kid. I think he'll be very good in Ottawa. Uh, I also want to talk about something when we get to Winnipeg. Just remind me to mention what I'm thinking about in Winnipeg too. But uh, yeah, no, Ottawa, uh, pretty good draft overall, I think. Trey? Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, like, again, we, we've always claimed that we're not experts on the draft. So I agree. 6'6", 324, D lineman with a last name Bull. I mean, offensive that's, lineman. Oh, offensive. offensive. Sorry, off, but still, offensive lineman. Sorry, but still, still. who's You, you want to line up against that guy? No, I don't want to give that guy water. I don't want to sit near him if I was the water boy, man. He's he's going to, if the quarterback gets sacked, he's going to be that guy on longest yard throwing the Gatorade bottle, you know, or Gatorade thing, right? Like, he, he just looks like a monster. And and I think, I think Ottawa is going to be that sneaky team where come October, if other teams have some health injury or health problems and injuries, Ottawa could sneak into that third spot, right? You know, or, or well, uh, dare I say crossover. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? They'll, they could sneak into that playoff conversation and then, you know, all bets are off in November. We know what teams can do in, on the road, two or three in a row. I, I like Ottawa and what they've done. Ryan? Yeah, you know, that first overall pick going into it, I really was hoping they wouldn't go to the offensive line. They went double offensive lineman with their first two picks last season. You mentioned Drew Desjardins, big free agent pickup coming in there. Uh, that could be a good piece for them for a while there. So I thought they had more pressing needs on the defensive side of the ball. There were a lot of good defensive linemen uh, available there. You know, I thought maybe they'd look that direction. Um, but after they did make the pick of offensive linemen, I almost thought maybe this is, you know, a bit of a tactical play, knowing that there are very few near the top of the draft at that position and knowing there are other teams like a Saskatchewan who's picking at number three and Edmonton, I would argue, who may be looking at the offensive line position. It's almost like, you know, you're getting a good piece in Dante Bowl, uh, here, and you're also taking him away from a position of need from an opponent. So 
you know, as somebody who loves strategy games and stuff like that, like I, I love seeing something like that. I just don't know if Ottawa was the team in a position to do so. I think they're a team that should draft based on need because they have needs, right? Like they, they were a team at the bottom of the standings. They had the first overall pick. So uh, I could see, you know, I like the gamesmanship at other picks necessary, potentially there. Um, not sure I like it at number one when you're a team that needs to build through this draft. But they did also have a number of draft picks. I mentioned, you know, three of them in round two. So uh, I don't I don't hate the pick of Dante Bull uh, at first overall. I like that they went defense back, linebacker, wide receiver was another spot I thought they needed to shore up here as well. Uh, and then did pick up, you know, defensive linemen, a couple of them, including uh, Aiden John in round three there. So, uh, yeah, overall, I think a decent draft for the Red Blacks. You know, they got a number of pieces, even a couple of these stick. That's going to help make them better for the next couple of years here. Uh, let's move on and take a look at the uh, the second team on the board was the Edmonton Elks, uh, who drafted uh, number two overall and actually kept the pick. Uh, shocker, no trade from Chris Jones. Did we get a trade during the draft at all? Not a one this year. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, no, no trade at all during the draft for them, for anybody. Uh, with the number two pick, they go to, to linebacker Michael Broderick uh, is their pick in the first round. Uh, only pick in the second round was their territorial pick, so they go linebacker Jacob Taylor uh, from Alberta. So back-to-back linebackers here early in the draft for the Elks. Uh, rest of the draft, offensive line and long snapper in round three. Shout out to the long snappers. Uh, defensive line in round four, running back in round five, offensive line round six, defensive back in round seven, and running back in round eight. So a bit across the board, bit of offense, bit of defense here. Uh, Trey, let's go to you first on this one. Any thoughts on what the Elks did here? No, I'm not too shocked. You know, kind of defense heavy with a little bit of like athleticism which classic chris jones right are those running backs going to be running backs are those linebackers going to be linebackers we don't that long snapper could be the kicker for all we know man that could be the quarterback next year if cornelius goes down we never know with chris jones it could just be uh whoever the mascot does they have a polar bear or something in edmonton or the football i don't remember what their mascot is anymore no they have an elk now don't they I don't know. Maybe maybe the long snapper is just going to be the elk. I don't know. Um, but it's you know I, I I'm pretty impressed again. Like, God, I hate the CFL draft only because it's like we don't quite know what these guys could be. Like when we were going through the our top fives over the last few weeks, how many of those guys on Wikipedia never had a page or never had a downplayed and never heard of from again? And unfortunately, that's the that's every draft, but the CFL draft a little bit more. But on paper. I like what they do. It just makes me sad looking at these birthdays. 2000. So kids, kids, kids in 2000 and 2001 now are draft eligible in the at CFL and NFL. That's good to know. Adam, uh, how do you feel about the old Elks and Chris Jones? Well, Chris Jones did his usual Chris Jones thing. He went for the biggest athletes he could find. And I mean, I want to see that long snapper that six foot one, 200 and uh, two pounds take over his quarterback next year for the Edmonton Elks. I mean, I'd pay to see it. Nevertheless, uh, their first overall pick there that they made this year, number two overall, I guess, uh, was Michael Brody. Uh Interesting pickup, actually, because he was predicted to possibly go to Montreal. Uh, I think somebody was reading the Caravan's roster and realized maybe there was something there with uh, Danny Machocha. 
and said, oh, no, I ain't letting him go to Montreal or let him go to Montreal. I'm bringing him to Edmonton. Uh, very good linebacker, though, from what I've heard. Uh, maybe a guy that can maybe do something to replace Adam Konar out of Edmonton. So I think that's why they made that pick. Uh, but again, you never know with Chris Jones. The guy that says linebacker might be their star wide receiver next week. So again, it's it's Edmonton. I, I like it, it, Chris Jones is Chris Jones. So uh, it looks like good pickups from what I've seen. I probably would have maybe tried to go for an offensive lineman. However, again, this uh, uh, this draft was very not deep in offensive linemen because of the NFL picking up so many. So I can see why they didn't. But that maybe that was one thing I wished Edmonton would have addressed maybe a little bit more. But who knows? Maybe one of these uh, running backs can play offensive line. I did make the joke during draft night last night that, you know, all the GMs have their draft sheets of order. They're probably planning on picking the players. And for every other team, it's probably the same uh, in terms of the format of it. And then Chris Jones just, like, cuts off the position column on his because he doesn't care. Like, uh, he... Does Chris Jones even know the position of the players he drafted here? That's my question. Does he care? He doesn't care uh, because they end up, you know, moving around. He's going to put them wherever they can. And, yeah, Michael Broderick, you know, uh, um, was talked about as one of the most athletic defensive players in the draft. Yep, that fits the Chris Jones mold right there. Uh, you pair him together with Enoch McConzo, I believe fourth overall pick last year for them. You know, that's some good future Canadian depth there at linebacker. Uh, they did take an offensive lineman in round three, Philip Gro- Groovik. Uh, so, you know, not too many taken early in the draft. You know, they are still, I think, one of the earlier ones there. So they do get one off the board there. Uh, I like this draft uh, for the Edmonton Elks. You know, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to see what this team is going to look like, I guess, this year for me. Like, the offense itself is going to be very much improved, I think, with all the money they spent at wide receiver, with Kevin Brown taking a step forward, Dylan Mitchell taking a step forward, Taylor Cornelius, you know, is he going to take a step forward uh, this year? So, yeah, I thought they needed to focus on the defensive side of the ball a bit, and I think they did with two linebackers picked in the first two rounds there. So I like this. From the Edmonton Elks, uh, not my favorite, I think, not highest up there on my rankings uh, of successful drafts, but I don't see very many flaws with it either. Just wait till uh, Chris Jones one day goes and drafts somebody from the triathlon team or something. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Chris Jones looks at your swimming ability as your... Uh... <laughs> Swim move for the uh, running back. I mean, hey, why there you go. There you go. Uh, all right, moving on to our next team here because we've got nine to talk about, so we'll try to keep it moving along. Uh, Adam, you're normally uh, wearing a green hat today. You've got the Argos blue, but uh, oh, Trey might be. Trey might have the green hat there. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were pulling out the hat. Uh, there we go. Uh, but Adam, this is your team, so let you touch on them first. Uh, let's recap the what the Saskatchewan Rough Riders did here, uh, round one. Uh, people thought maybe they'd go offensive line. They go defensive lineman with Lake Corte Moore uh, from UBC. Round two, defensive back Jackson Ford from Regina uh, in the rest of the rounds. They go linebacker in round three, running back in round four, uh, offensive line in round six, offensive line and linebacker in round seven, and defensive line in round eight. 
Again, as I'm going through this, no disrespect to any of these players I'm not specifically naming. Uh, we're just most interested in the top two rounds uh, and then looking at, you know, positional drafts the rest of the way. Uh, no disrespect to the names we haven't necessarily mentioned. But Adam, tell us about what you think the uh, about what the Riders did yesterday. Well, the first two picks, I went and I've got them like this. The first pick they made was uh, Corte, I believe it was. Uh, honestly, great pickup for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Riders do not have very many defensive linemen that are Canadian. They only have two, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So huge to bring in a guy like that that could possibly compete for a starting job or at least get into that depth, be on the special teams and be rotating in a defensive line. Uh, possibly even this year. I think uh, he's going to get a great opportunity to uh, Corte Moore. I think he's going to get his shots. So I sure hope he does, and I hope he get him signed real quick so he can make it into rookie camp here, which is crazy because that's only a week away. Uh, the next part also, uh, the second pick for the Riders, the 11th overall, Jackson Ford out of the University of Regina. If anybody knows Al Ford? Yeah, that's his grandson. Uh, so he's kind of got a little bit of rider royalty to him. He, when they did the interview with him to, uh, when they had Jeremy O'Day go and talk to him, he sounded super excited to be a Saskatchewan rough rider, which I mean, he's been around the riders his whole life. Why wouldn't he? I've heard two different stories on him. One was, this was early. This was a jump. This is a stretch to pick him up early at this point. I mean, the riders, they really don't need, well, defensive back, you can always use another defensive back in there somewhere. And another guy that can play on the teams, I could see that out of them. Uh, but that being said, there are some guys that really loved him in the co in the, in the combine because I did some research on him after. So he seems like a guy that would fit very well into Saskatchewan. He's excited to be a rough rider, which is really helpful. And he's from Saskatchewan, which, and let's face it, when your dad or when your grandpa's Al Ford, yeah, probably might have a good shot in Saskatchewan. They have not figured out how they're going to get Lacombo's number for him, which is number 21, which was, I think, believe Al Ford's number. But we'll see how that turns out in the end here. That's a little bit of uh, probably bribery coming up in training camp. Uh, the other draft picks. Uh, most of the Saskatchewan ones were pretty okay. Uh, Dean Matt, well, okay, or Matt Dean, sorry. Uh, linebacker. We got lots of linebackers. Uh, same thing also, another running back. I don't know what exactly how he is. I can't tell you. I don't know anything about the guy. Uh, I don't know if the writers really need a running back, but okay, sure. Uh, uh, Sidney Sow, that guy there, uh, City Sow, sorry, uh, offensive lineman out of East Michigan. You'll never see him in Saskatchewan. I'll be honest. He got drafted by Bill Belichick and the New, Eng uh, New England Patriots. He's a perfect size for them to either run him as a running back or as an offensive lineman or whatever Mr. Bill Belichick decides he wants to run him at. He will uh, probably never be a rough rider, but if he is, huge pickup. Uh, Evan Florin, again, don't know much about him, but as an offensive lineman, good pickup. We could always use another offensive lineman in Saskatchewan. Nick Thomas, uh, U of M guy. Yeah, that's right. We can take them on our side too, just so you guys know. You guys just can't take all you of our players over. Yeah, how did that work out with Nick Dembski? No comment. Anyways, <laughs> uh, carrying on, the last pick for the Riders was uh, Tavis Robinson. This guy here got picked up in the fourth round by the uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens. Six foot eight, 240 pounds. If he makes it into Saskatchewan, 
Uh, yeah, that's going to be terrifying for some offensive lines, but I don't see him being in Saskatchewan, to be honest with you. Uh, sure hope so, but I, you know, and that's where I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about, does it really pay to waste, a, again, I'm saying waste two picks and in quotations, because to me, I think it's silly. You've got guys that just, like, you probably never get Robinson. You're never going to probably see Sal. And you've seen this a lot of times out of Saskatchewan lately, uh, whether it be uh, Shapley you got for two seasons and then he went to the NFL. Uh, Brett Jones, you always keep saying it, but he always ends up somewhere either in the NFL or somewhere else. Uh, does it really pay to pick these guys or, you know, maybe try to find somebody that can play right now for the team? What are you guys' thoughts on that? Um. I don't know. I wonder if there's, I mean, it'd be hard to do, but I wonder if there's a way you could make, like, transfer them to your negotiation thing if they're in the NFL. I know they're Canadian, but something, but I see what you're saying, but it's, it's the, it's the luck of it. Like, you know, looking back, I'm sure Winnipeg Jet fans are like, well, where's line A? You, you know what I mean? You could see these picks, right, from every every league. Where's this guy? Where's this guy? Where's Menzel? Where's Mayfield? Where You know, the list goes on and on. And I'm like, well, it's the risk you take, the first overall draft pick anyway. So, and you could get a Tom Brady, the last, what, last pick of the eighth round, when there's not even an eighth round anymore. You could get that guy. And I guess that's the risk these guys are taking. But I agree, um, those two last picks, if they come up here, I, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But I was looking at that running back from Delaware over four years, a thousand yards over four years of college. He's been hurt for most of it. So, you know, sure, a Canadian running back with NCAA experience, but eesh. I, I don't know. I, I don't mind those picks. I just don't think Saskatchewan is good enough to be making those picks right now. But like I said, team like BC, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan in the past, when they are kind of the team that's always 14 and four kind of thing. Sure, but I don't know about this year, Ryan. Yeah, if you're going to make those, you know, home run picks, like rounds, what, six and eight are, are the rounds to do it in. Like how many draft picks from those rounds make it to the CFL as notable names. There are some that do, you know, we had some on our list when we did our top five draft picks for the past decade on the past couple shows. Uh, there were some late round picks there that turned out to be very good for their teams. But uh, yeah, if you're going to take a shot, do it late round. And I, I'd feel better about it though, if I liked what the riders did earlier in the draft, like uh, I hate to say it, but they are one of the losers of the draft to me because, again, offensive line is just such the obvious thing for them to focus on, uh, to me at least. The offensive line, if the offensive line fails this year, Jeremy O'Day is without a job coming after this year, in my opinion. Like his job rides on the offensive line being improved. So uh, I would have expected him to over try to almost overcommit to improving the offensive line a little bit there. I don't think it would have been wise to go too far down that path, but I thought early on they tried to, you know, take an offensive lineman and maybe they were going to until Dante Bull got uh, taken by the Red Blacks there. But you know what? If they weren't going to go O-line, maybe, you know, there was talk, I think Marshall Ferguson on the TSN broadcast suggested maybe you trade down and then still get your offensive lineman and an additional pick in there. That didn't happen. I think defensive lineman was one of the best uh alternative options for them for round one. So I, I do like the pick there. Um, but then defensive back in round two, 
a linebacker in round three. You don't need another linebacker. That's one of the positions the the riders are most stacked at. And, you know, Micah Tights is going to be your number one Canadian at that position. Running back in round four, uh, you've got Jamal Morrow. you got Frankie Hicks. And, heck, you've still got Keenan LaFrance, I believe. I don't see any room on that depth chart right now uh, at running back. And then you get into those two home run picks there, right? So there's not really a lot here in the draft for me from the riders to get excited about, uh, so to say. You know, uh, these guys could become stellar players, but if I'm just looking at the positionals, I don't think they addressed the needs that I I would have hoped they did. The only thing I can say on that is, again, they did their signing in the the pre-agency a little bit with the offensive line, right? Philip Lake, Feeder Godber, uh, you got some of those other guys back. Is it enough? Yeah, I don't know. But I, Philip, I, Blake's I, also, question... Philip Blake's also, what, 34, 35 years old, so. Yeah, although there was also one year that he took off for uh, for COVID, so, I mean, like I say, he's not as banged up as a usual 35 to 37-year-old. Uh, so, like, he, that might be not a bad pickup. You did a little bit in free agency. I know they had to deal with the defensive line for sure. Uh, there is only two Canadian defensive linemen that they have, and if they're planning on running any like any starting Canadian off uh, defensive lineman, they need the depth. So my thing is, you don't switch off of that though. You stick with defensive line. You get two or three solid defensive linemen, then maybe you can afford some luxury pick, which is a Jackson Ford. I don't think he was going to be going anywhere past. I, th- I think you could have got him in the third or fourth round. I'll be honest. I If you really liked him in the fourth round, make a trade up just to give a guy a fifth and a third next year and say, okay, fine. But, yeah, no, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, to me, it was not a – it was barely – if it is – if Jackson Ford turns out to be amazing, it's a, it's a passable grade, but that's it. I mean, there's a lot riding on one player – Otherwise, I yeah no I can't I can't say this was a great draft for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, let's move on to the Calgary Stampeders, who are next up in the draft. A team that drafts pretty well regularly coming into the draft this year. I think we all said this was a team that didn't have any glaring positional needs necessarily. It was going to be uh, they're going to draft, and there's probably going to be a future All Star that they draft. Uh, they go with wide receiver Cole Tucker at fourth overall in the first round from Northern Illinois. Uh, no pick in the second round for them. Uh, they then in round three go defensive line, wide receiver again. So two wide receivers in their first three picks there. Offensive line in round four, defensive line in round five. Uh, round six, tight end uh, and kicker. Uh, so maybe one of the more unique rounds from a team in the draft here. Uh, it's the first time we've talked about a kicker here so far. Uh, and then in round eight, uh, fullback, uh, there to round out the draft for them. Uh, now I was a little surprised to see them go so heavy on wide receiver here, Calgary, because you got Jalen Philpott, you got Luther Hakuna Vanu, you've got, uh, Colton Hunchak, Tyson Middlemost, you know, those are some good depth pieces there. I didn't think they needed to there, go there necessarily. But some news also did just come out today that Jalen Philpott just went for, I think it's hamstring surgery and will not be ready come training camp. So maybe that played into the role. Maybe they knew that a little bit there. Um, but they got some good pieces at wide receiver. Uh, you know, we had chat uh, going, you know, in our Discord community yesterday 
uh, a lot about the Stampeders, you know, talking about how their American uh, depth at wide receiver isn't necessarily as strong as some of the other teams. Maybe make up for that a bit with the with the Canadians there. Uh, I'm kind of neutral on the Stampeders. Uh, I don't feel strongly one way or another on what they did here myself, uh, just because I didn't know what their needs necessarily were coming into the draft. And, you know, really it's the late round picks that did end working well for the Stampeders. Uh, Trey, what do you think on Calgary? I love they drafted a tight end. That's not really a position in the CFL. That's kind of cool. Um, not really a recognizable one, but I, I don't mind them going with the receivers. They need depth in that position with the Canadian, like we said, with the injury and stuff. And Calgary's that one. They could literally probably trade all their picks away, and then they'll still scout somehow and still pick up guys. It, you know, it, to me, it doesn't matter what they do. This was a team like they don't really have glaring needs. Like I said, whoever's in charge now is not Huff. Huff they go. I mean, I'm sure he still has um, some say, but Dickinson, they could have just traded all eight picks or however many they had away for anything they wanted. And new stadium, maybe they could have traded that away for that or, or something or some of that money that they're getting for the new hockey rink. But, you know, there's just come, come, come football, come season time. Calgary is going to be, you know, 10 and eight if not a little bit better hunting around and, and we're going to sit back and probably either, either one or two of these guys are going to be, you know, stars or all these guys are not going to make the team. And they found eight, nine, 10 other guys somewhere else that have been uh, keeping them together. Right, Adam. Yeah, that's essentially Calgary. I mean, Cole Tucker, I can almost guarantee is either going to be a 1000 yard receiver in the next two years, or he's going to be a dud. It's, <laughs> It's pretty with Calgary. I can probably guess it'd probably be the uh, former of the two knowing them. They do their research pretty hard in these drafts. And I mean, they've pulled out some gems uh, almost anywhere, essentially in this draft. So uh, I didn't mind them taking wide receivers, especially if they knew about Filippo. Uh, if they knew he was hurt, that's a great pickup. There hasn't been really a Canadian receiver on Calgary lately besides Filippo. I think Filippo has the most potential. I mean, Hakanavanu, they tried to schedule in there last year. Didn't maybe work the greatest. Middlemost is probably going to get his real first year of tryout this year. Uh, to me, I just didn't think that there was anybody that really stood out as an all-star on the Calgary side of the ball for a wide receiver. And there are some good receivers out there in U Sports or in uh, NCAA that for Canadian receivers. So to me, uh, maybe Colt Tucker's that guy that they're hoping is going to be the next one that jumps in. Or, who knows, maybe it's yeah, Clark uh, Barnes from Guelph. They could be either one of the two guys. You never know. When you take a wide receiver, you never know what you can get. I mean, Mitch Picton in Saskatchewan, he was a low draft pick. And, yeah, he's probably going to get starting time for all season this year because that's all they got. But, nevertheless, um, Calgary, again, you'll watch them. Somebody in this, this draft class will be an all-star. And in three years, I'll end up in the NFL probably. So, just the way she goes in with Calgary, so. or on Toronto Argonauts. Oh, oh yeah. the Argos! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the first step, right? You go to the Argos and then the NFL. Uh, I like actually that they did draft a kicker because Rene Paradis. How many how many years does he have left? Uh, and I'm you know at his age. Um, intriguing thing for me with the wide receivers is what does a Jake Mayer led wide receiver crew look like for a full season because. Bo Levi Mitchell was the type of quarterback that he'd target seven, eight receivers in a game, right? And so some of these depth guys, like a Colton Hunchak, for example, not even in the starting lineup, 
would get a catch or two on a regular game. So uh, will we see the same type of system now where some of these guys, you know, like Clark Barnes drafted in the third round, get in on that offense immediately in some capacity? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, that's something I'll be watching for in, in training camp and such there. Uh, we do have a comment in our YouTube chat here. I'll be enjoying, uh, Richard says, I'll be enjoying your commentary while I fill holes in my baseboard doing paint prep. Richard, I hope we make this an enjoyable time for you. Um, the Canadian <laughs> Football Countdown, the official podcast of baseboard paint prep. We're slightly um, we're slightly better than watching paint dry, boys. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Really, that's what I strive for, right? Like, it'd be more enjoyable to watch than some, you know, some task. Then, hey, people will tune in. Uh, I think that's what so we've got on the calendar. So we should probably put a so we should probably put a survey on this thing you're saying. We should just go and uh, see where we fit in. Do we fit in between paint drying and going? To oh the yeah, oil? yeah. We need to find the definitive ranking and like really market that as our sweet spot. Uh, exactly. Go, yeah. There we go. Um, all right, let's move on to the next team, the Montreal Alouettes here. Uh, they had two picks in the first round, uh, number five and number seven. Number five, they went to linebacker Jonathan Sutherland. I believe under contract with the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. Uh, and then at number seven, defensive lineman Lowell uh, Igoak, uh, who uh, I think has a tryout with the New York Giants. So Alouette's going two picks in the first round that currently have either an NFL contract or an NFL tryout. Round two, they go fullback David Delaire. Uh, he's from Montreal. He's from Laval. That's not too much of a surprise there, I think. Uh, no pick in round three. In round four, they go offensive line. Round five, they go fullback again. Double fullback in this draft for the Owls. Uh, they go wide receiver as well. Uh, round seven, running back worth naming. It's Chase Brown. Uh, you know, he was one considered one of the most talented. I believe he also got a big, uh, you know, draft uh, pit in the NFL draft uh, just a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, and then defense back to round out the draft there. Uh, Adam, what do you think on uh, on Montreal here? Really, there's not a lot that kind of surprises me. I mean, Danny Machocha is obviously going to go with guys that he knows. Uh, he's been in that uh, conference before where he's got a lot of guys out of Laval there. I can see and uh, that always seems to pop up with him. Uh there's two guys I think there. I like the one guy, Max Maxime Lavalley from Laval. I gotta say Laval one more time, and maybe I win a prize. Uh, nevertheless, I think he really did want somebody uh, to step in in that defensive uh, uh, linebackers kind of spot where uh, where Edmonton took their one pick. I think I, I'm certain Montreal wanted that one guy from Edmonton on that first round. Uh, sorry, I can't remember names when I'm just talking, but. Um, Michael Brody, uh, the linebacker, I'm really certain Montreal had had him marked out and said, we are taking him because, again, he was coached by Machocha in college. He was a guy that I think would fit in. They could use a linebacker in Montreal. And I think that, honestly, it would have been a good pickup for him. And he's from Montreal. Well, that's that's just great. It's, all, it's perfect marketing for him and everything else for the uh, Alouettes. Uh, but nevertheless, didn't work out for them, so they got to move on. Uh, overall, I think that they probably did a pretty good job. I mean, they got the one wide receiver. 
Uh, I think they probably could have went maybe with another one or two wide receivers if they could have. Uh, that being said, though, overall, I think Montreal did all right. So, uh, Trey, what about you? I wonder what new ownership played into some of these big picks uh, that won't because those could sell jerseys one day. You know what I mean? Like if magical world, if Chase Brown comes to Montreal, how many jerseys would that be? Or these two guys, I remember talking about the Texas Christian guy, you know, big guy there. And the same with Jonathan Sutherland. Like if it doesn't work out and they're coming up to Canada, you know, Sure, there's a few um, Manziel jerseys still kicking around, right? Or, you know, some jer- uh, Chad Ochocinco jerseys kicking around. You know, they're, they're still kicking around. That's probably where it went. And, again, it was Montreal's that weird team, too, that, like, I don't know how much they could have improved more than what was available to them. Like, they tried their best. Sure, they could have got a new quarterback. You're probably not getting that in the CFL draft. Uh, you probably could, you know, shore up a few things that you're not going to get in the CFL draft. So they, so they took a chance, and maybe these guys will see them in September. Maybe we'll see them next year. Remember, the East, you can make the playoffs at, what, 8 and 10? <laughs> right? You can make the playoffs at 9 and 9. So that's their – I think that's the game plan they're kind of playing right here. Go 9 and 9, and what if these guys show up in September after spending time in an NFL training camp? You know, it's not quite game ready, but it's not not game ready either, right? So I like what they're doing. They're definitely looking for the future a little bit too because – Good God, I hate I hate good Canadians going to the NFL. I was like that with uh, Claypool. I've been that with um, uh, Hubbard and now with Bra- uh, Chase Brown. God, I wish they could play up here. Like, I wish it was just a law that you had to play a year or two in the CFL or something. Or make it that make it that the, you could play at the CFL at 20 and then get drafted in the NFL or something. Get these guys actually playing here. Kind of like you see in hockey where Line had to play in the Finnish League and stuff. That would be so cool to see. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not too – I think Montreal will be, I mean, better this year. But, I mean, I don't know how by how much, Ryan. Hey, quick question, though. Uh, where yeah. did Chase Brown get drafted to? Oh, that's a good question. I should know. In the NFL, it? wasn't it Cincinnati? Yes. Yeah. So he's not passing Mixon by any stretch of the imagination. No. Well, is Mixon even playing this I, year? Not even hurt. Trouble? Yeah, something. Um, I think he's in legal trouble. And the thing about running, the thing about running backs too, they play three or four of them a game. Some games, you know what I mean. Especially if you don't have that number one guy. Uh, so I, I don't know. I no, yeah, it was him because I was like, ooh, with him and uh, Burrowhead, that would be good. I like that. Would how, be good. how does an Illinois boy play in uh, our guy that played for the uh, Illinois team play for an Ohio team? That that just doesn't work, does it? Uh, same same way of uh, U of M and U of uh, our guys going the other way, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. They just um, high five each other, Booseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, two two picks in the first round, though, guys that are are you know have NFL shots. I don't love that for Montreal. I'd be fine with one of them. You know, you have another first round pick. Take make a safe pick, make a big play. Uh, I would like that for them. I think the thing that concerns me there, especially, is they had another brilliant option for them on the defensive line, which was Francis Bemi. Uh, who in all the mock drafts was one of the top two, three picks and kept falling down the draft. We'll get into talking, you know, about him when we get to where he was picked. Um, but this is a guy that was from Montreal. Uh, I was reading John Hodge from Three Down Nations draft recap earlier today as well. He grew up but really cheering for the Montreal Alouettes. So he falls to Montreal. We talk about Machocha being a guy who loves his, you know, people from 
drafting people from Montreal and, you know, is a really good defensive lineman who doesn't currently have the NFL shot. I, I would have preferred that pick over the wall at Ubiwek uh, at, uh, you know, number seven for them. But they go with that pick there. Um, I also don't love the double fullback. I've seen talk that this was a need for them in the draft, but they've got James Tuck. They've got Alexander Gagne both under contract still for this year. Both of them are Canadian at the, you know, at the fullback positions. I don't really see the need there. Maybe I'm missing something uh, for them. So Montreal is one of those teams that I think I was a little more down on uh, in terms of what they did in the draft. But I do like the, uh, much like I talk, we talked about earlier with the Riders, I like the round seven home run, try your best. And it may never work out. Chase Brown likely will never come to the CFL. But if he does, uh, well, the Montreal Howlettes have themselves a pretty good future running back there. Just, just for argument's sake, I pulled up the running backs. Joe Mixon. So let's let's say he plays. Then you got a 32-year-old Trayvon Williams probably outplaying him and a 25-year-old Chris Evans, not Captain America. Chris Evans, right? So I, I, th- I think he's the number two guy pretty easily there. So I could not see him coming up here. And maybe number one, if like you said about the legal trouble of... Joe Mixon, but he'll be on Madden for sure this year. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's right? all that matters. Yeah, he could be a 49 overall as long as you're on Madden because that's what Strebler is, I think. Perfect. They can't use his pick. They never have his picture. It's so annoying. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if you have like a hidden agenda to just insert the name Chris Strebler <laughs> in every episode just to upset Adam. I wish I was that evil to think it through, but it just happens organically, man. <laughs> I have no comments. Uh, well, speaking of comment, uh, Richard confirms we are better than watching paint dry. So we've got at least one vote in that poll. Maybe we'll have that as an off-season episode next year. Figure <laughs> out where we slide in on the, uh, the excitement and boredom uh, content rankings. Well, maybe we're above dental surgery. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm thinking we're a little low. I don't know. I do need to go to the dentist in the next little bit. So I don't know what that means for that then. It'll be less enjoyable than this. Um, let's move on to our next team here, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, I believe we're our next team on the draft board here. Yeah, they picked at number six overall in the first round, and they go with an offensive lineman, Dayton Black, there. Uh, six foot six, 298 pounds. Yep, that's a big offensive lineman there. No picks in round two or three, but they have a couple almost back to back in round four, where they go defense back, defensive line. Defensive back again in round five. Uh, and then nothing till round eight. Defensive line there and wide receiver. Um, so pretty minimal draft here for the tie Cats because of that Bowie by Mitchell trade uh, to get his rights there. Um, you know, offensive line in round one, uh, like I said, and then nothing till round four. Uh, Trey, what do you think about the, uh, what the tie Cats have done here? I mean... Can't ever complain when you get a big Saskatchewan boy protecting your quarterback, right? And you can never complain with that. And that's going to be the number one goal of Hamilton is giving Bo time in the pocket. He's not going to rush for a thousand yards this year. I'd be, I feel like he's going to be slowly Peyton Manning. Do you remember that play action where the, he faked out the camera guy and he ran into the end zone wide? That's going to be Bo, I think, this year a little bit. I don't, I, I can't see him taking off. And well, watch me be wrong, but, um, because they're, if, you know, 
That's- if Bo hits a hundred yards rushing on the yeah. year, my mind will be blown. Yeah, like I couldn't see it. So you're gonna have to give him time in the pocket. You have to provide him a run game, which again we're gonna see if that actually happens too. But I, I don't mind what they did. You know, they got rid of their draft picks for their guy. They went and got their quarterback. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and it's like it's all or nothing for them this year. They that's what they're kind of going for right with the gray cup and it's the LA Rams. They don't care what happens next year at this point, as long as they can just somehow muster together a gray cup bid this year. Right, Adam? Just to interject here because I pulled up the stats, Bo Levi Mitchell rushing yards in the last three seasons, 26 last year, 19 in 2021 and four in 2019. That's weird. He is somewhat mobile over his career. He just goes sideways, right? He doesn't go north south. Like he, he's kind of like Caleros, right? Caleros is unreal with feet, but he never runs. So I just, yeah, yeah. No, that's always been Bo Levi's thing. He always tries to just move the pocket just so he can find another pass. Uh, because yeah, he doesn't he doesn't run out of the pocket. He and go and take off. Uh, I mean. I think Ricky Ray had better stats running than probably what Bo Levi Mitchell does. But anyways. Um, I think the, I have Hamilton... better stats running than Bo Levi Mitchell. And I don't <laughs> hey, Wait till I get to Winnipeg to go and pick on them on that one right away. Anyways, um, no, in uh, Hamilton, I think they made not the right best pick in the, right off the bat. I'll be honest. I do not like that they uh, did not have any, again, the, their biggest thing was always for depth for Canadian wide receivers. They picked up one in the eighth round, Caleb Morham. He's been a good, I think he's good. He's a good uh, uh, receiver. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll be fine in, uh, in the U of S or from coming out of the U of S. I mean, he also is in the uh, Vanier cup. He should be a good receiver, but that being said, you got to pick up some other wide receivers. I think that was Hamilton's biggest thing on depth. And uh, this is one of those years that you could afford to uh, probably take a chance on a wide receiver. Uh I don't mind the pickup for uh, of Black there for from the U of S as well. I mean, he's a good. I think he's a good offensive lineman. But that being said, I think I would have maybe pushed a little bit more to try to get some wide receivers, uh, maybe even in the second or third round. That that was my thing with Hamilton. Uh, of note, though, on the Tie Cats, they did shortly before the draft in the last couple of days uh, sign wide receiver Richie Sandani, Canadian wide receiver, was with Stan Peters last season, went either XFL or USFL, I think, USFL, and got uh, let go there, uh, ended up signing with Hamilton. So they did get some more Canadian wide receiver depth there, which maybe impacted their draft plans a little bit. Uh, I thought offensive line was the biggest need actually for the tie cats just because they are getting older on the o-line you know chris van is what 40 years old now i think uh like actually uh i'm not just throwing a, a number out he is um and you know joel figaro is 34 david beard and brandon revenberg like all of their main guys are in their 30s uh and 40s so uh they needed some future depth there at uh, offensive line I think they got potentially it sounds like one of the best ones available in the draft in the thin draft there so kudos to them for that one uh it's hard to really yeah discuss much for the rest of the draft for the tie cats because they had so few picks you know uh i do like that it seems like they got their one offensive lineman and then focused on the defense because that seems like a team that has a lot of aging guys on the defense as well you know ted laurent simone lawrence these are guys that have been up you know, with the team for quite some time that you're going to need to replace eventually. So 
Uh, yeah, overall, I like that for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, moving along here to our next team, we got three teams to go here. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were next up on the draft board at number eight. Uh, and they went with defensive lineman Anthony Bennett from uh, the University of Regina uh, in round one. In round two, they go defensive back Jake Kelly from Bishops. Uh, rest of the draft wide receiver in round three. Defensive line in rounds four and five. Uh, defensive back in round six. Wide receiver in round seven. And linebacker in round eight. Uh, Trey, let's go to you on the Bombers here. What do you think about what they've done? I don't mind it. They filled in a couple of spots, right? Like they went with the D line and uh, that's not bad with Jake Thomas. He's getting up there. He might need a guy to rotate in and out DB again. That's a position where half our DBs end up in the NFL. So it's never bad having some backup there. Another receiver, not too shocker. When we play three Canadian or two or three Canadian receivers a game, you kind of need depth there. And then back to the DL uh, the defensive line. Gotta, I got to give my buddy Colin uh, Corden Nelson a, a shout out. I used to work with that guy. He, he if it says six two, that's a low ball. I'm six one. This guy is a cup more than an inch taller than me. Two forty. He's put on weight. Uh, only guy I have. Or not only guy, but he got sucker punched once while throwing someone out. And uh, he's like bleeding in the mouth and the sadistic smile he gave that pork. Like he was like, I could kill you, but I'm on the clock. So I can't like, so he's going to have so much fun on that defensive line. I can just see it already, man. I, I text, I did, I did text him and he remembered me. So I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. You know, take a couple of Saskatchewaners, took the Manitoba kid, you know, can't complain with it. And um I'm actually surprised they didn't make a splash on maybe that NFL guy. Ooh, Chase Brown is a bomber. Oh, man. Anyway, but other than that, I'm pretty happy, Adam. Uh, yeah, no, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did do what they needed to do in the Canadian draft. I mean, they they probably needed to address some spots in the defensive line that are eventually aging there a little bit. Uh, they needed to go and they needed to get maybe, again, another Canadian wide receiver. You can never have enough. If there's a good Canadian wide receiver, you take them. It's as simple as that for that. Uh, offensive linemen uh, didn't see very much out of Winnipeg that way. I mean, they have some aging thing there happening. But Anthony Bennett, I think he's a good character kind of guy. Uh, when they talked to him, he was trash talking all about how uh, his Florida Panthers were beating the Maple Leafs. So he should be a good Manitoba kid eventually, uh, especially when he starts trashing the Leafs. I mean, that's that's par for the course around Winnipeg. Uh, nevertheless, new, new favorite player. Absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, but I just wanted to bring up one thing. Uh, the CFL Global Draft happened the say just in the morning of the uh, of the uh, before the Canadian draft, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, because you know how much global draft picks matter, uh, picked up thirty six year old uh, Carl Schmid uh, Schmitz. Uh, he used to play with the Denver Broncos. He played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's played with a few other teams. But a 36-year-old gets drafted into a global draft. Please tell me, why does this matter anymore having a global draft? Come on. Like, I mean, I guess I'm a year away from eligible to get drafted in the global draft. So, uh, you know, Winnipeg or any other team, I mean, I've yeah. offered my services if they're interested. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know too much about your history, uh, so I have no idea where you were born, but I, are you eligible for the global draft? 
I mean, I don't know. I could probably put a kilt on and call myself from Scotland. <laughs> I don't know. Supplement draft, just like the fake Canadians. Oh, hey, Adam's a fake European, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Would hey, he a kicker? Is that eighth, what he is? Hey, I could be picked up in the eighth round of the Canadian draft by the Riders, and, you know, I'd probably show up. You know, the dumb thing, because he's a kicker, he could play, he could easily play for, if he was good, he could easily play for six years, six, seven oh, years, absolutely. and mean, if not even farther, right? So he could play for, I don't know, I never, I don't know, I honestly couldn't tell you, I didn't even know the global draft was on until you guys started talking about it, that was well advertised, CFL, but I mean, I guess it makes sense to have it the same day, but any, I, I mean, the Bombers now have, what, 10 kickers on their roster? Like this is like this is like didn't Chris Jones have ten quarterbacks last year or something stupid and now we got to ten kickers, but I mean you know when they say ninety nine problems and a kicker ain't one right now in Winnipeg with all those uh, potential guys but like thirty six, where's he from? Australia? No, was the Australian one? Because I thought we had a Scandinavian. We got an Australian one coming, but no, where was he originally from? I can't honestly uh, tell. Australian I don't know. And, yeah. Well, we, that could be a oh, whole Bermuda. He's from Bermuda. Oh, Bermuda. But after after Hansen, can we even name many global players that made a big impact? Very few. Very, Very few. few. Cody what Grace. Cody Grace. Grace. Okay. Yeah, the but that's what I mean. There's there's a couple. Like it would be nice if yeah, each team oh, had yeah. one guy that you really thought of. But I think there's like two or three in the league. Yeah. I mean, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's punter Venvik. Right, yeah. So there. Yeah, but that's, that's, I mean, you know, you know, and you name them, but I mean, because you have to have them somewhere. But it's not still not like, yeah. Like it, it would be one thing if like Dalton Schoen came from Bermuda and this thing was a great success because they got a guy like that to come in, but they don't have that. But yeah, you also I mean, have all these teams just waste their global draft picks, or not waste, I guess, but they like most of them are kickers or punters, right? Uh, it seems so. Or some players on the defensive side of the ball, not this, not as many yeah. running back, wide receiver, etc. This is this is the draft I would throw it on a guy who goes in the NFL, you know, and, and yeah. he's an international player, and then you know, then yeah. take him. But yeah, well, Adam, start training uh, for next year's draft now already. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? You versus Curtis Rourke for first overall pick? Uh, teams start you know, tanking now. Hashtag stink for Stewart. <laughs> absolutely i mean you oh, know what man. uh yeah no uh, stink for stewart uh uh yeah no absolutely we got to get that trending and uh yeah sure i mean pick me over curtis rook i mean i don't know i could maybe throw a ball five yards hey that's almost as good as some cfl quarterbacks <laughs> uh Adam, what do you think on the on what the bombers have done here besides the global draft no, honestly, they did a pretty good job, I thought. I mean, they had to update their defensive line a little bit, and they needed some depth in the defensive line in the Canadian spot. Linebacker, I mean, they've gotten, I think, uh, one or two of them, if I'm not mistaken, or am I wrong? I'm completely wrong. There's no, uh, nope, Mark, Max Charbonneau in the round eight. I mean, I you never know. Maybe he might come in and be a backup and be maybe a good special teamer. And that's, I think, the biggest thing nowadays is when you're going and coming into the league, you gotta be a good special teamer first if you're gonna make a if you're gonna make a probably a roster. So we'll see how these guys do on special teams. Lots of them, we'll probably be hearing about them returning or going and blocking or doing something. And if they can really make a good impression there, that's how you're gonna end up with your position. So uh, I'm not sure how these guys are for special teams players. 
that's I think where they're going to probably have to make their earner keep until you know Winnipeg probably loses a few of their guys just to age. I think. So, For me, yeah. I, I, I really liked what the Bombers did in the first two rounds. Uh, defensive line, defense back were the exact two positions I thought they needed to fill. Uh, you know, Jake Thomas is the longest standing member of the team. Uh, coming up on, what, 12, 13 years now he's been with the Bombers. And really, there isn't much Canadian depth behind him there. Also, like, there are no immediate, you know, Canadian backups to, to Jefferson, Jeff Coate, et cetera, who are, who are getting up there uh, in age and have been around for a little while as well. So, I really like going defensive line early in the draft there. Uh, also last year, Tyrell Ford was their big early round pick uh, at defensive back. And he ended up going to the NFL with the Green Bay Packers now. So they almost had to make up for that a little bit uh, with this draft, which is why I like taking Jay Kelly defensive back in round two there for them. Uh, I think those were the two biggest needs. A little surprised they went wide receiver in round three just because they're stacked at wide receiver with the pieces there. But I do really like what you did say there, Trey, about um, how they they start two to three Canadians often, right? So you, you kind of need more depth there. Um, yeah, interesting. Defensive line, three defensive linemen, I believe, in their first uh, five picks. So clearly that was a position of need for them. Kudos to them for getting the job done. I like this draft for the Bombers. I thought it was very strong there. Uh, the final pick of round one went to the BC Lions, who acquired it in a trade with the uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, back just before free agency for Jordan Williams. Uh, they used that first round pick to pick defensive lineman Francis Bemi, who did fall all the way to them uh, based on the uh, the mock drafts. A lot of them had them going up, you know, two, three, four. Uh, in round two, they go defensive back. Sierra man, Harrison, Begayogo, uh, it was their pick at 14th overall. Nothing in round three in round four, they go linebacker round five. They go defensive back. Uh, they go defensive back in round six linebacker in round seven and finally offensive line in round eight. So everything defensive side of the ball here for the lions until an offensive lineman at the very end here. Uh, Adam, let's go back to you here first, I think, on this one. Uh, BC, what do you like What or what don't you like? Uh, you know, uh, BC, I think, had a pretty, well, I don't know, kind of average draft. I mean, they definitely wanted some more defensive pieces, obviously. That was seen. Uh, the one guy that I wanted to bring up, though, was uh, Charlie Ringland. Uh, he injured himself, had an ACL tear at the Combine, was actually numbering out really well and ended up tearing his ACL. Well, that's not a great experience, but luckily he was drafted up by the BC Lions. He has a year eligibility left in Saskatchewan. I would imagine he'll take it uh, and go back to Saskatchewan this year, but that one there, I really want to see how he develops when he gets to the Canadian game uh, to the CFL because I think he might be a sleeper pick, and because even though he was like a fourth-round pick, there was talks of him being pretty quite a bit higher than that before the injury. So I'm interested to see what they do on that one. Uh, overall, though, BC, again, they had a plan in place. They were getting defensive backs. They were getting uh, linemen. I think, yeah, there was one old lineman in the round eight, uh, Troy Cole. Uh, that's all they really had for offense on this night. Uh, yeah, no, not, you know what? If that's what they figured they needed to do and uh, they needed defensive players, uh, especially Canadians can't fault them for that. They, uh, they got their guys in Trey. What do you think? No, I agree. Cause on their 
offset off off uh, offensive side they're kind of american heavy they're not the bombers they don't have three canadians they have like what whitehead um cote all that you know they have a lot of americans or is cote canadian Katoya no. is Canadian. Katoya is Canadian. They're my, but you know what I mean? They're, they're not as heavy on offense, so they need to find them on defense. And to what's the one kind of question mark position in BC? Probably the quarterback, and they're not going to hit lightning twice and get another Rourke this year, right? So I, I think they did all right, Ryan. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page as you guys. You know, uh, I feel like they got super lucky that, uh, you know, a guy like Francis Demi did fall to them at the ninth overall pick. So that seemed like a no-brainer pick for them there. They do have a lot of Canadians on their roster on the defensive line. But, you know, how many of those were later round picks? You know, if they, if they get a gem here, I, I like that uh, for them because I think the defensive line overall was a position they could use some improvement at. Um, defensive back was their pick in round two. You know, they don't really have much Canadian depth there, but their starting group is all Americans, but it's pretty stellar. So that's where the draft gets interesting to me because we talk about, you know, oh, they need more Canadian depth at this position, but you don't need it at every position, right? Like if your plan for where your team is to run full American at defensive back, for example, well, then you don't really need to draft. A Canadian there, uh, as long as you you know have alternative options at other positions. So, uh, you know, it, it all depends, I guess, on what the team's plan is. If they're still planning to go, you know, full American there, then I don't love necessarily going defensive back as much. But it also, you know, if he turns out to be a really good player himself, well, then that maybe allows him to flip the ratio and put an American in somewhere else that they currently don't. So. Uh, yeah, much the same way as you guys. Uh, interesting to see them, you know, focus more on the defensive side of the ball here. Very defensive heavy for them. Uh, but last year, I think they did spend a little more time on the offensive line, like when they took, uh, you know, who did they take last year on the offensive line? I'm, I'm drawing blanks here. There was a big, there was a big name. Uh, Noah Zer was an early pick uh, for them there last year. Um, and they picked up Michael Couture in free agency. So uh, I like what the the Lions did there. You know, nothing nothing too big, uh, nothing too concerning for me, nothing too special for what the Lions did in this draft. Uh, I guess a little. I guess my one thing was I was a little surprised they didn't go linebacker earlier, perhaps to make up for having to trade away Jordan Williams uh, because he won trade over to the Argos, right? That was my only thing there. But they also do have a couple other really good linebackers. And Ben Haladic, who's been in the league for two years, Bowl Combo, those are both good Canadians right there. Jordan Herdman Reed, we've talked about him before. So uh, maybe there was just a log jam of Canadian depth there. Uh, finally, the Toronto Argonauts uh, did not pick in round one, but they did still have some draft picks here on the night. Uh, they, I think, maybe took one of the biggest uh, NFL shot uh, splashes here when they took wide receiver Jared Wayne in round two at the 16th overall pick. Um, they all That was their only pick in the first two rounds. Uh, in round three, they went long snapper. Round four, they went fullback. Offensive line in round five. Wide receiver and linebacker in six defensive back in round seven and an offensive lineman to round out the draft here. So no pick for the Argos in round one, only one pick in round two, and they could take a guy that's 
seemingly has a decent NFL shot here. Uh, Trey, what do you think about this for the Argos defending champs? Ah, no problem when you got the number one quarterback in the league, right, boys? Uh, no problems, no problems. Couple offensive line, couple receivers. I mean, it's another team that's kind of weird. They're they're built up weird. It's kind of they don't have glaring huge holes that I could circle with a big pen. Sure, you could. Every team's got little ones here and there, but I, I mean, I don't mind them going taking a shot on an NFL guy. And like I said, what if September comes and next thing you know. Him and Curly Gittins Jr. just end up being, you know, the one one A, you know, horses in that race, right? And 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 same with their, um, you know, they have some offensive line. Can always have some depth with there. You want to keep if you're going with uh, Chad Kelly, a guy who's not technically a rookie, but would be a rookie starter, I guess, coming into this year. You don't, you know, you don't hate that, and you shore up your defense a little bit. Uh, and I mean, Adams got the hat on. He's obviously picking Toronto, right, uh, going into the next season. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, no. Um. You know what? I did. I'll agree with you though, Trey, on the uh, one part about uh, picking up Jared Wayne. He's signed by the Houston Texans after the draft. That's not usually promising. I mean, they didn't give him a priority signing and give him a little bit of a bonus or anything else. They just said to him, "Hey, you can have a time at camp." So there's a chance he could come back to the uh, to uh, Toronto, and I mean. Him lining up beside Curly Gittins Jr., all of a sudden you got some Canadian depth there and some Canadian talent over on uh, Toronto's receiving core. So I like that pick, actually. Uh, as much of it is, it is a chance, I mean, it's a second-round pick, which you could use some definitely some bigger pieces maybe there uh, that could play immediately for you. I don't mind it because I don't know how much of a shot he's going to get in the NFL. Uh, if the Houston Texans are the team knocking on your door, nobody else knocked on your door. It'd be very interesting. Like I said, I, I don't know on that one. Plus also they have a pretty good, uh, pretty good Canadian already down there in uh, Houston with Metcalf. So, uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, overall though, Toronto's draft, kind of meh. I don't know the best way of explaining it. Uh, namely because I never checked in any of these players, to be honest with you, or not very many of them. And I just, I don't know them that well. So I maybe they've done a great job of drafting this one and pinball nailed it out of the uh, park, or they did a terrible job. But I can't really tell you. Uh, Need-wise, I think they could have used some depth and uh, wide receiver. So they got a wide receiver, and they got another one later on, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So let's see what happens. Yeah, to me, the Argos were – the Argos, I mean, I'm looking at their current roster, and this is a team that is – pretty well spread out at every position where they're ready for this year. The only roster question mark for me with the Argos is what's Chad Kelly going to look like this year, right? If Chad Kelly is a good quarterback, this is a team that should be able to easily, I think, compete for top spot in the East division once again this year. Uh, And so I don't think they have any pressing needs for right now. So I don't mind the future pick there as well at wide receiver with, with Wayne, uh, and you're right, Adam, you know, being signed as an undrafted free agent is a little bit different than, okay, this guy was drafted by the NFL. Uh, it's nothing different than some of these other guys that just get a training camp shot. Uh, you know, we've seen a ton of players this offseason get tryouts with teams and not end up signing in the NFL. You know, look at Keon Schaefer-Baker. He had 16 of them, something like that, 12, 16 NFL tryouts. 
hey, he's still back in the CFL. So Jared Wayne could very well still come to the CFL. I don't hate it for the Argos. They don't have a ton of needs right now, uh, I think, for them. Uh, and even if he doesn't come here, they've got good depth and good future pieces at wide receiver. Uh, you mentioned Curly Gittins Jr. is you know one of the top receivers in the game, and he's only, what, 26 years old, I think? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, you know, Cam Phillips is good future piece. Demonte Cox, he showed some promise. Dontrell Inman, oh wait, he's 34 years old and last played with the team 10 years ago and is apparently back this year. Uh, maybe not a future depth piece, but they've got depth for right now. They've got depth for the future. So uh, it's just another piece to the future puzzle, potentially, for the Argos there. Anything else on draft? Just, yeah, uh, current... I was going to say, current depth chart, Jared Wayne is ranked the fifth right receiver out of like 15 guys on the Houston's ro- or Texans roster. So good chance he's going to be probably cut <laughs> at some point. But yeah, but no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good to move on. Adam. All right, then let's move on. So that was our CFL draft recap. Uh, now let's move on to our final segment of the show. We do it every week now. <laughs> Uh, it is the countdown. It is our top five countdown. Uh, and this week we're counting down our top five current breakout CFL stars. Uh, you know, some of these guys we just talked about are going to be the potential stars of tomorrow in the CFL. So who are the breakout stars of now? Uh, rough criteria for this has to be a guy currently still in the CFL. Sorry, Nathan Rourke. You don't count on this list. Um and is kind of a guy where last season, you know, had a breakout and we expect to kind of continue and build off of that breakout coming into this year as well. So it could have been a guy, you know, great rookie season, could have been a guy who's been in the league for a couple of years, uh, but is still, uh, you know, had their really first really strong season last year. Uh, that is the criteria for this, this time around. Uh, this one was my idea, so I guess uh, based off of the usual flow we go, I guess I kick us off with my number five uh, on the list here. Uh, I went with Calgary linebacker uh, Titus Wall. Uh, rookie season for him last year. Only played 10 games due to injury, but 39 tackles, two sacks, three interceptions, two forced fumbles, also scored two defensive touchdowns. I mean, he did everything all over the all over the field. Uh, and if he played a full season and, you know, Dalton Schoen didn't exist, uh, at least in the CFL space, I could see a case where Titus Wall would be uh, a Rookie of the Year nominee from the West Division. So uh, really strong, you know, first season there for him. I believe he plays middle linebacker. I could be wrong on that one. Uh, but I think he, he's got a bright future ahead of him here. So give me Titus Wall. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball as my number five. Uh, Trey, let's go to you. Who do you have at five? Okay, I'm going to... uh, Let me see here. What does this Wikipedia page say? Uh, I tried to go to Wikipedia, by the way. Titus Wall does not have a Wikipedia page, so I had to go to the CFL.ca website. Get this man a Wikipedia page. (laughs) Uh, sorry, my guy is uh, Seth Small of Hamilton. Uh, he had pretty uh, the kicker. Uh, he had a pretty good year. I had his stats. And I lost him here. Thirty nine for forty three, and I believe he tied the longest 
Yeah, longest field goal made in Hamilton Ticat history. Not too bad your uh, first year in the league, so we'll go with uh, him, Adam. Well, mine's probably a little bit off the wall again, but hey, you guys love it when I do that, I think. Off the uh, wall? Off the Titus wall, exactly. No, I didn't take Titus wall. I uh, did get an honorable mention, though, because, yeah, he did have some pretty good stats last year. Uh, my guy is Alexander Hollins of the BC Lions. In the last two games of the year, he really stood out, came in. It, again, he just was on a stack BC Lions team with a whole pile of talent. Well, guess what? This year here, uh, there is no Brian Burnham in his way. There is no other. There's a few other players that are missing off of that line, and off that receiving core. And guess what? Alex Allen Hollins is the guy that's going to fill some of those spots. So he is going to have a breakout season. If he he started to last year, just didn't get enough time. But I think this year will be his breakout city, uh, breakout one for the guy from Yazoo City. I just had to throw the last bit in there. All right, so we've all got our number fives in. I like all of these picks across the board here. Uh, kick us off for round four, uh, Trey. Oh, okay. Going to go with AJ Olet of the Toronto Argonauts. I think he did pretty good. Um, and I think he still got some potential. I think once Harris gets the hell out of there and just, just focus on your coaching job or whatever he has, uh, and, and let a or AJ here take over before he only had about 200 and I don't know, 50 yards rushing. And then last year he ends up with five sixteen. So, you know, to me, that's kind of a good breakout. Oh, and he had 39 receiving yards in the CFL before last year. And then he had 350 last season. So I, I think that's. I think he's the he's the number one guy going forward. Um, Ryan, let's go to you this time, buddy. All right, we can go to me next. At number four, I'm going over to the BC Lions, much like Adam did. I'm going to the wide receiver position, much like Adam did. I'm not going to Alexander Hollins. I'm going to Keon Hatcher, uh, who, you know, second year in the league for him. Year one, seven games, 214 yards, two touchdowns. Year two, uh, 1,043 yards and five touchdowns. If you would have told me coming into the year with Nathan Rourke at quarterback, again, we didn't know a whole ton coming into the year about, you know, Nathan, what Nathan Rourke was capable of. But with Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, and Dominic Rimes ahead of you on the depth chart, and arguably Javon Katoy as well, there's no way I would have expected Keon Hatcher to have a 1,000-yard season. Uh, he, you know, he made a huge name for himself. And like you said, no Brian Burnham this year even more of a role for him in that offense there. So uh, Keon Hatcher is my number four breakout star in the CFL. Uh, Adam, round to, uh, finish off round four for us. Yeah, on this one here, I have got the uh, breakout star out of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last year. I'm going Dalton Schoen. Uh, look, it's his sophomore year. That's the reason I'm going for this one here, where I'm going for it here. Uh, 1,441 yards, 70 receptions, 16 touchdowns. The guy there is just absolutely incredible. The reason I'm going with him as number four and not number one is namely because of the sophomore slumps. They happen. And I don't know if he's going to be quite as efficient as he was last year. But I'll tell you right now, if he's even half as efficient as he was last year, that's still a pretty darn good season. Uh yeah, that guy's going to be a star for many years to come in uh, Winnipeg. 
You know, from all the people that vote in the polls on Twitter without actually listening to the episode, I think you might get buried in this one, Adam, for putting him at number four. Uh, but, I, you know, I like the reason, you know, potential sophomore slump there. That also depends if I put the poll up on social media. I forgot to put it last week's up, so uh, I'm claiming victory. I deserve one finally. I've had a, I've had a rough go. Uh, and those, that's how this works, right? Um, let's go back to you, uh, right back to you here for number three, Adam. All right. Well, this guy here didn't really have a great year last year because he came back so late. But I think this year he's probably going to have a very good season because the Riders are looking for a number one receiver. And I have a funny feeling it might be Braden Lenius of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The guy, the six foot five, he's 220 pounds, usually averages at least 10 yards anytime he touches the football. He just needs more passes to him, I think. And with him getting maybe a little bit of chemistry with Trevor Harris, the guy there could really be the number one for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's got the attributes, he's got the size, he's got everything else working for him. And uh, the Riders need a leader. I think it could be Braden Lenius. Uh, Trey? Okay. I'm going to go with out of the North Dakota Oak Park High School, I believe, right? Brady Oliveira, 1,001 yards. Snuck those in somehow. He'll uh, help your dog and steal your girlfriend, probably, man. That's the way, you know, that's what his profile picture looks like. That smile looks like, uh, you know, he'll have a golden retriever and he'll ask all the girls if they want to pet it. But yeah, I think he's going to, I think he took the, he somewhat took the reins. It took him time, uh, but, you know, he kind of fell in or led in the Andrew Harris shadow that's still somewhat casting. And I think he's going to take it and continue to run with it. I, 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 when I wrote this one down, I was like, <laughs> Adam's going to hate that one, but it's okay. Right. I mean, how can you not love the work he does saving, uh, you know, uh, with helping out with the dogs in the city, right? Like uh, great guy off the field, Brady Oliveira. Uh, I've never said, I don't like the guy. I just, you know, I just don't like what's running back. I mean, personally, I think the guy's great. I mean, doing adoptions for dogs and all that. Great guy. But, you know, just the whole, I don't really care for him in the backfield. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, over to me, I guess, for number my number three here as well. Uh, this guy came onto the scene halfway through the season and is now quickly become one of my favorite players in the CFL. And I'm really excited to see what he does this year. You only needed half a year to break out. Uh, it's from the Edmonton Elks wide receiver, Dylan Mitchell. Uh, nine games last year, 637 yards and four touchdowns. You take that, you double it for a season. That's, what, twelve over 1,200 yards for him, eight touchdowns on the year, uh, which, correct me if I'm wrong, puts um if not for, would have, you know, if, assuming he could keep that pace, obviously, uh, put him right there with with Dalton, the likes of Dalton shown for top and receiving yards uh, in the CFL. So a uh, huge second half of the year for Dylan Mitchell. I really hope he doesn't get buried a little in that depth chart with the likes of Eugene Lewis and, and Kyron Moore and such brought in. I'm hoping it just takes some attention away from him. And, uh, you know, Taylor Cornelius will launch that ball down the field with his powerful arm and Dylan Mitchell will be there to catch it as he did game in and game out. Second half of the season there. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, my number three pick here. Uh, let's go over to you to kick off uh, number two here, Trey. 
Uh, we're going to go to Wilfred Laurier graduate, Curly Gittens Jr. Um, again, he almost like doubled his career totals last year. Um, I think he'll be a force to reckon with. And if they're luck, if Toronto's lucky enough to get that other kid we we're talking about, it's going to be a who are we going to get burned by? The guy who could have been in the NFL or the guy who should could be in the NFL too, probably, right? So I'm going to go with uh, Curly. Uh, I like how they spell it. It makes me think of the Three Stooges, but uh, I like how they spell it. Adam. Well, I was going to go uh, with a certain guy at number two, but I'm going to change it up here. Uh, just because I have a funny oh, feeling I know what Ryan's going to do at number one right away. Uh, so I'm going to go with another Saskatchewan Rough Rider that actually had a pretty good breakout season last year. Uh, just got injured, and hey, injury shouldn't really matter on that kind of thing. Uh, it's Frankie Hickson from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I really think the guy there is going to have a breakout season, even if he's got a guy above him like Jamal Morrow. I, I think he's just a really talented uh, running back. He makes such amazing plays when he does get going. Uh, last year there, I mean, 533 yards, uh, had a touchdown. Uh, but again, 13 games, he was injured for quite a bit of it. Uh, but a 6.3 average yards per carry. Well, hey, you get that kind of yardage on uh, average carry, you're going to end up most times getting a first down. And that's what the main thing of a running back is supposed to do, is get you the first down, push those yards forward. And uh, yeah, Frankie Hickson does it very well. And I think, He's due for a breakout season in 2023. All right. For me, for my number two spot, uh, when you have a guy with 17 career games over two seasons uh, where he only puts up four sacks in that span and then takes that and in his first year with a new team puts up 17 and wins the defensive most, uh, most outstanding defensive player of the year award, that to me is a breakout star, and that is Lorenzo Malden the fourth with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Led the league in sacks last season, 17 of them, two forced fumbles. He was a force to be reckoned with. I don't think we quite saw that type of breakout coming from him last year. Uh, he comes in at number two for me on this list. Uh, and I guess this one was my idea, so I'll kick us off to finalize the final round here. Uh, Dalton Jones bad wide receiver for me. I mean, rookie of the year. If you're talking about breakout players, it's hard to not look at the guy who was literally named the top first season breakout player in the CFL to me. Uh, Dalton Schoen did everything. Uh, 1,441 yards. Wow, I didn't realize it was even quite that many. I thought it was around 1,200. 16 touchdowns led the league in that category as well. On a team that still had some other pretty good wide receivers there. Um, nobody in their right mind could have seen this type of season coming from Talton Schoen. We were high on him in training camp. I think a lot of people were, but nobody could have seen that coming. He's the breakout star. Could he have the sophomore slump? Yes. I think there is a bit of regression potential there, but as of right now, I think he is the number one in the CFL in that category. Uh, we'll go over to you here next, Trey, and then we'll go to Adam last, I think. No, I agree with you. Hard to not go with a guy. 20.6 average yards a catch. So you can go get a holding call, and he's picking up the first down for you the next play, right? It's pretty much what that's saying. Yes, he could have the sophomore slump. Yes, he could have the Madden-covered curse on him. But I also think you got Lawler. You got Dembski. You got Wolertarski. You got Orange Gre or Orange Leary. 
um, uh, you got your favorite running back, McCray, potentially you got Oliveira. You got all those other, all those other guys. Who are you covering? You know, who are you covering? So even if he's the one covered, Lawler's wide open. Dembski's wide open. It's going to be a gong show if that receiving core stays healthy. So shown, I, I'm, I would be maybe tempted to buy that jersey, only not because he could be NFL bound. But other than that, I'd buy that jersey even if he goes to some other CFL team in a year or two because I think it would be worth it. Adam? Well, I probably, you know, in the end, I let me put it this way. When I looked at this here, I thought it was for the guys that are going to break out this next year. So that's where I made up my list on, and that's how I, I did mine. I didn't really look at 2022. I looked at 2023. And I think the guy that's going to break out the biggest in 2023 is an Edmonton Elk. I think uh, Ryan's already mentioned him already, is Dylan Mitchell. Uh, anytime they needed a big throw or a big pass or anything last year, there was Dylan Mitchell. So, you know what? He only had a half a season to prove himself last year. I think he'll compete right with Dalton Schoen for yards this year, to be honest with you. Uh, he's a great player. He's on an Edmonton Elks team that he's going to get a chance to be a star in. Uh, Dylan Mitchell's my pick for the number one player for breaking out this season, uh, in the CFL. Yeah. To, to be fair, I did clarify the, the criteria, like two minutes, like 20 seconds before we came on air. So if you have your list together already, there's discrepancies in our criteria. That might be why. Uh, so that's my bad, but, uh, no good criteria nonetheless. You know, what do you consider a breakout star? Could be different for each person. Uh, let's take a look at, uh, I guess the overall board here, uh, to round things out. Oh, that's not what I want. Hang on. There we go. That's not what I want either. There it is. Got it. Uh, all right. Uh, so on my list, I had, uh, at number one, Dalton Schoen, number two, Lorenzo Malden, the fourth, Dylan Mitchell, Keon Hatcher, and Titus Wall made up my top five. There were a lot of names I wanted to put in this list. This was a hard list to come up with. Uh, honorable mentions for me, Malik Henry, a fantastic season for him for Calgary after mostly a return role uh, before that. Uh, Roland Milligan for the Riders had 70-something tackles last season after not much play time the year before. Uh, ben Hladik, linebacker for BC, great season there for him. Uh, and Kevin Brown at running back, uh, you know, is going to be the Elks starting running back coming into this year. He looked good late last season. I was also really tempted to put Jake Mayer on there because I think he – I. When we did our quarterback rankings, I put him as, you know, breakout number two quarterback in the CFL for the upcoming season. Uh, and he, you know, led to Bo moving over to Hamilton. But only so many spots on this list. So those are some honorable mentions there for me. Uh, Trey, you've got Dalton Schoen, Curly Gittens Jr., Brady Oliveira, A.J. Olette, and Seth Small. Uh, only one of us put a kicker on the list there. Uh, anybody else you wanted to put on there that you couldn't fit? No, I'm good. I'm good. This was a tough one because, like, yeah, the criteria and like breakout, like, probably no. Oh, Bowley might have a breakout this year and be back to himself. But no, I like what I have. I'm, I'm happy. Didn't I pick like player of the week, like three kickers or four kickers in a row last year? So I've I gotta have a kicker on there. Yeah, you 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 did frequently go to the kickers on your players of the week. Uh, Adam, you had uh, Dylan Mitchell, Frankie Hickson, Brayden Lenius, Dalton Schoen, and Alexander Hollins uh, on your list. Uh, anybody, any honorable mentions there for you? Well, I guess if it was for last year, uh, yeah, I'd probably put Schoen a little higher. But uh, 
no, for uh, other guys that I wanted to bring up, yeah, you're right. Kevin Brown had a great season. He was just about to uh, probably really show up for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, another guy also was the uh, uh, not Kadeem Carey, the other guy for uh, Calgary Stampeders for running back. Uh, uh, which one, Peyton Logan or Diedrich Mills? There could be arguments Mills. for both. Diedrich Mills. Diedrich Mills had a pretty good season as well. Whenever he came in, he was just – I couldn't tell that he – it was it wasn't Kadeem Carey in there essentially, except for the number. Uh, he had a great season as well last year. He could have a breakout this year. I think he's still got a guy in front of him though. That's his biggest issue. More than that, uh, and I will give an honorable mention to Touchdown Tommy. I don't think he can uh, quite do what he did last year. Touchdown so. Tommy. Nevertheless, Tommy Stevens. Sorry, man. Uh, Got to go and start throwing some major TDs with the arm, and then we'll talk. So. Yeah, that's that's my uh, honorable mentions there. I guess another one too, actually, uh, Darnell Sankey. I mean, he was absolutely on fire for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the defensive side of the football. Unfortunately, he's left, uh, you know, the CFL. Yeah, so, no, I thought uh, of him. I thought of him. So you're right. I did think of him, but I guess he was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I guess I'll have to go with Larry Dean. He was just about as good. So. <laughs> But he's been good for a couple of seasons, right? Like, Larry Dean has had some fantastic seasons in the past there. Yeah. Um, so that's our top five countdown for this week. Uh, let's get into uh, wrapping things up here for today. Uh, so we recap the CFL draft. We uh, gave our top five breakout stars in the CFL. What's coming up next on the podcast? Good question. What is coming up next on the podcast? I... Uh, I think I deleted the message where we planned this all out. I, I think next week is we're breaking down the CFL schedule for this upcoming season. And then after that, we're getting into our divisional season previews because the CFL season is just around the corner. So uh, draft content ends here. Season preview content begins. Uh, so we'll take a look at the CFL schedule, break it down uh, and discuss what we like, what we don't. Uh, so look forward to that one next week. Uh, same time, same place, Wednesday nights, 9.30 central, uh, daylight time, I guess, uh, to specify, uh, over on all of our different platforms here. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook.com as well, slash CF Countdown Pod there. Uh, and make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. Uh, not talking hockey there anymore. I'm done with that for this year. Uh, forget hockey. It's over. Um, you can find Mike. Mike's not here. He'll be back hopefully come season time. But you can find him at Mike Garrell. Uh, Trey, what have you all got going on these days? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trey Harness Link. I always got some harness racing stuff. Is my mic still doing that weird thing, Ryan? Is it? Okay. I don't know what's wrong with it. I'll fix it for next time because i also have a horse racing podcast and it wasn't acting up this morning guys so it must be your, your guys's fault but uh yeah if you want to check out harness racing kentucky derby this week 149th running it's always a good time to get the kentucky bourbon out and lose your kids college fund on betting on a horse that has a crazy cool name uh, adam where can people find you well i have no uh kids to worry about so i probably can bet the uh college fund on uh on some crazy horse names. Anyways, uh, no, you can find me at Adam Stewart One. Uh, 
I'll be honest, all you're going to see there is probably a bunch of farming pictures or a bunch of seeding pictures. Or maybe I might even talk about my new favorite NHL team for uh, for the playoffs here because, you know, I had to jump a bandwagon too because, you know, my avalanche get taken out by an expansion team. Anyway, <laughs> I won't get too ja- upset about that. I'll uh, move on Join here. Join us yeah. in our misery. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it just doesn't feel like spring right now, guys. I mean, I should be out seeding and everything else, but it's delayed two weeks because the Leafs aren't out yet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like it. Got it. Yeah, there we go. Anyways, uh, yeah, find me at Adam Stewart one. Uh, maybe I got some more lame jokes like that too about the Maple Leafs. You never know. Come and see me though. Over Don't at worry, Adam's. they'll be out in three more games. Um, you know, why do I have to cheer for the Panthers? Like, ugh, there's the division rivals. It's just, I don't know. Give me a Florida Seattle finals now for the maximum chaos. Why not? <laughs> why not uh yeah so that's everything we've got going on there uh as we mentioned off the top of the show uh also if you want more interaction with us between episodes make sure you check out the canadian football countdown discord community uh where you know we'll be discussing all things cfl with the cfc crew and other cfl fans additional content beyond our weekly podcast episodes not too much of that right now while we're still in preseason mode uh a lot more of that to come you know during the season and stuff like that uh, and eventually access to exclusive community events as well. So, you know, we're just spinning things up, getting the conversation going there, uh, you know, but, but lots more exciting things to come. So if that interests you, you know, download Discord, uh, you know, create an account there. It's free. Uh, and click the link in the episode description to to join the community there. We hope to see you there. Hope to chat some CFL and all that fun stuff with you there as well. I think that does it for this episode. Uh, again, as always, uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, uh, we appreciate it. If you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. On behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey and Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.